0: Hello everyone and welcome to Discern This, a podcast that seeks to give you insight into global affairs. I'm your host, Jim Clancy. Subscribe and follow us if you like what you hear here and explore some of the topics that we cover. In this edition, I'm very pleased to be joined by Ambassador Charles Freeman, who has an illustrious career that spans more than three decades. Get this, in his many key roles, he served as then-President Richard Nixon's translator during the historic trip to China all the way back in 1972. He's represented the U.S. in China, Thailand, India, Europe and the Middle East, and Africa. He was U.S. Ambassador to Saudi Arabia during Operation Desert Storm. Hello and welcome Mr. Ambassador. Hi Jim, good to be here. Well, let's begin the conversation here. The war between Israel and Hamas and Gaza. There have been unprecedented security failures, tragic numbers of civilian casualties, that much we know. What we don't know is whether Israel and Washington have a plan that will somehow unwind all of this. What do you see?
1: Well, I think Israel is very clear on what it wants. Uh, And it essentially is to depopulate Gaza, uh, to solve the problem of Palestinian opposition, uh, not only by eliminating Hamas, but by eliminating the Palestinian population. Uh, Preferably, uh, Israel would like to drive that population out of Gaza into the desert in Sinai. Uh, That is not acceptable to Egypt, which controls the Sinai. Um, they'd like to drive the Palestinians on the West Bank into Jordan. That is not acceptable to Jordan. Uh, failing that, they're prepared to kill people in huge numbers, and that is what they are doing. Uh, I don't think this sits well with Americans generally, and certainly the administration and Israel have some differences over this. Um, it's uh, it's clear that uh, Uh, The apparent support for what can only be described as genocide uh, by the Biden administration is costing that administration and Mr. Biden a great deal of support in the polls as we approach a presidential election. Young people and older people like myself in the United States have very different views on the Middle East. Uh, Young Democrats are overwhelmingly sympathetic to the Palestinians. Uh, and uh, they don't uh, like what they're seeing. So I don't think there is a plan uh, that is coordinated between Israel and the United States. Uh, I don't think Israel really has a workable plan because genocide is not acceptable to the world. Israel would pay a huge price for carrying it out. Some of that price would fall on Americans because we are stalwart supporters of Israel. Uh, And of course the Palestinians suffer regardless. Uh, So I don't think uh, we're headed anywhere clear at the moment. You know, and you
0: mentioned the word genocide, very strong word uh, here. And of course it's being debated right now, but there's the Netanyahu factor. And while we're hearing all this talk about, yes, we want to defeat Gaza and bring peace uh, for Southern Israel and all of Israel for that matter. Mr. Netanyahu is telling his supporters in Likud that he is the only man that can prevent what many people see as the real solution, and that is a Palestinian state, but he wants to prevent that. And he's got a troubled situation, domestic political situation, facing him after these huge security failures. He likely will be removed from office, but he is a man who's been on a lifelong dream, goal, of preventing a Palestinian state.
1: That's absolutely correct. He's devoted his entire career to that. Um, and the pre- prerequisite for that is expelling the Palestinian population from the areas in Palestine that they retain, uh, which are uh, uh, only a small part of Palestine at this point. Um, he, he is on record many years ago as having, uh, in, a, in a, uh, I think, quite, uh, uh, uh injudiciously admitted that he hoped for a war in which he could he could take advantage of the fighting to drive all the Palestinians out and bring the entire all of Palestine from the river to the sea uh, under under Israel's uh, uh, unchallenged control. Of course, there is, in a sense, only one state in Palestine at the moment, and that is Israel. Uh, Israel uh, controls everything. Uh, There are four categories of people, uh, uh, Jewish Israelis who have full citizenship within Israel um, and who have been very disturbed recently by Mr. Netanyahu's efforts to destroy judicial independence in Israel because he's uh, otherwise likely to end up in jail for corruption. Um, That's one category. And then you have uh, Arab uh, Israelis who are second-class citizens, denied uh, resources, uh, discriminated against in housing and other areas, um, uh, and, uh, and 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 denied the full rights of uh, the citizens of Israel or Jewish have. Uh, then you have a population in the West Bank that is under martial law, constantly harassed now by settlers, not just harassed, killed. There are pogroms going on um, there. To use the word that uh, uh, applies to this kind of behavior used to apply in places like Ukraine to Jews, now being carried out against uh, Palestinian Christians and and Muslims uh, in the West Bank. And finally, you have Gaza, uh, which has been the world's largest concentration camp, um, occasionally bombed and strafed uh, by the Israeli Air Force uh, or shot at with artillery. Um, People who tried to demonstrate peacefully there against that uh, were shot with snipers. Uh, so this is an untenable situation. Uh, it can't go on forever. It's in some ways, it's been called apartheid, but in some ways, it's worse than apartheid. Uh, it, it, it resembles apartheid in the sense that there's democracy for a few, and oppression for the many. Uh, and uh, this is uh, exactly why, uh, on October seven, there was a sort of a jailbreak out of the concentration camp of Gaza. Uh, Hamas came out uh, with a pretty well-conceived military plan. A lot of other people came out behind it, taking advantage of the fact that there were breaches in the Israeli security wall. And the result was horrendous atrocities um, on the Israeli side of the border. Um, uh, You have to go back, uh, I think, in history to look at something like the Nat Turner slave revolt in the United States in the South in the 1840s uh, to, uh, uh, to see something about this. You know, Nat Turner and a bunch of uh, African-Americans who were enslaved, they're desperate. And they broke out of slavery and their, mo- their, their program was to kill every white person they could see. And they killed over 60 people, including women, children, everybody. And it was horrifying And it was met, of course, with a retaliation that killed hundreds of of black black Americans. Um, The same sort of thing is going on now. There's too much emotion on both sides. And to go back to your first question, nobody really has a plan for how to end this. What will happen to Israel? Uh, Israel's lost confidence in the safety of its citizens. Uh, Its investment climate has been shattered. Some startups are leaving to go locate elsewhere. There have been 300,000 Israelis who've left Israel since October 7th. Um, This is a country that has a doubt in its future now.
0: Well, I I did talk to uh, some Palestinians who had managed to get out of Gaza because they had dual citizenship. And they told me, when I asked them whether or not they feared another Nakba or a, a catastrophe Uh, like in 1948, when hundreds of thousands of Palestinians uh, evacuated their homes and villages only to never be able to return again. They say, Jim, it's already underway. The Nakba 2023 is already underway. How do you stop that?
1: Well, members of the Israeli cabinet have described what's going on in exactly those terms, Nakba 2023. Um, uh, How do you stop this? Uh, There's really only one way, because without U.S. support, Israel cannot continue it. Uh, We we supply Israel with the intelligence, the weapons. We apparently, we sent a three-star general there to help them uh, plan the initial attack on Gaza. Uh, He's now back home, I think. Um, uh, Without American support, this can't continue. The question is, does the American administration, the Biden administration, have the courage to confront wealthy campaign donors who are cheering Israel on? And the answer so far is no.
0: Well, it's a difficult position because even if Biden stands out there, and I think he's tried to send the message, you know, the same diplo-speak that we hear all the time about, you know, quiet consultations and, you know, we're pushing behind the scenes. But nobody ever takes that kind of action or It's almost impossible with the divisions within the U.S.
1: Congress right now. Well, we've seen uh, the Biden administration retreat under pressure, international pressure. Initially, they opposed humanitarian pauses. They're still opposed to a ceasefire in Gaza. Um, And this, I don't think, is a tenable position for the United States. It's costing us a huge amount of prestige and credibility globally. The next time an American gets up and talks about human rights, foreigners are going to sneer at us. What human rights? Now we've agreed; uh, the administration has agreed to humanitarian pause. Uh, but this is just like saying to someone at Auschwitz on their way to the gas chamber, "Hey, chill out, have a glass of Kool-Aid before you go." It doesn't solve anything. It's just, in, and it just underscores the cruelty of the situation. Uh, so I think uh, we have to consider, we Americans have to consider what our our own interests are in this. Uh, it's easy to understand the Israeli desire for revenge. It's easy to understand the killing instinct that has gripped what is, after all, the most right-wing extreme cabinet in Israel's history. It's easy to understand Mr. Netanyahu's political dilemmas you know, he was facing a choice between jail uh, and, uh, and 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 somehow maintaining his stand in office. Now along the war comes and he's the leader and he can not go to jail for the time being uh, because Israel is being led by him in this disaster.
0: Well, and that was one of the ways that he was perhaps pushing uh, this whole idea of judicial reform uh, to, you know, have his supporters make the judgment rather than Israel's Supreme Court, whether or not he should be prosecuted. And he's trying to use the current situation to say, you can't have anybody but me. The Israelis have bought that many times over and over again. He's the man that can deal with the United States. He is the man that can deal with the Palestinians. Suddenly on, you know, October the 7th, all of that blew up when people realized his strategy isn't working. And They need to look for some other strategy.
1: I think there are a lot of people in Israel who don't have any use for Mr. Netanyahu on multiple scores. One is the fact that uh, October 7th underscored, revealed to the world the fact that Mr. Netanyahu had been basically propping Hamas up in charge in Gaza in order to divide the Palestinians and thereby rule them. Uh, So as long as Gaza was separate from the rest of Palestine, um, there could be no Palestinian state. They
0: don't have a partner to negotiate with. That's what we heard over and over again. That plan uh, came from Ariel Sharon, really, who thought we take Gaza, pull up, take Gaza off the table, leave Hamas in charge, and we'll never have to negotiate a Palestinian state. It worked.
1: Well, the fact is that... uh, uh, Israel is now negotiating with Hamas about hostage release. And Mr. Netanyahu had to backtrack because uh, the neglect of the hostages, the fact that he wasn't doing anything to achieve their release, uh, was deeply disturbing to the families of the hostages and deeply objectionable to other Israelis. Uh, Now he's been engaged in a negotiation with Hamas, uh, which is exchanging hostages, essentially, he has hostages in the form of thousands of Palestinians, men, women, children who are, are in jail with no charges whatsoever. Just, just some in jail. of them anyway. Um, yeah, some have charged, have been convicted, but a lot of them have never been convict, convicted of anything. It's interesting that as they are released in exchange for the Israeli hostages taken by Hamas and other groups that Hamas is trying to collect hostages from. Uh, They're being labeled uh, terrorists, officially, uh, but they were never labeled terrorists earlier. Uh, So Mr. Netanyahu faces a lot of domestic pressure, and there are more and more voices within Israel, Israel, not just on the left, which has been his classical opponent, uh, but in the center and even on the right, who think uh, he needs to be removed from office and someone else needs to take charge. We'll see what happens. Uh, Israel is, for Jews at least, a democracy. Uh, And uh, it is still a democracy, notwithstanding Mr. Netanyahu, and what has to be described as a fascist cabinet.
0: As we look at this, I, I wonder, do Americans really understand the extent to which they are being blamed for this? All right. I mean, the bombs that are being dropped say, made in the USA. There's no doubt about that. The money that Israel gets from the U.S. every year, billions of dollars, has gone into the the furtherment of those settlements on the West Bank.
1: I don't think most Americans understand uh, that the world sees us as complicit in in apartheid in Israel, uh, in something worse than apartheid, and now in what is universally called outside the United States, genocide. Um, even in Europe, which has historically been very pro-Israeli, probably out of a feeling for, of guilt for having uh, uh, managed the Holocaust, uh, which you know is, is unforgivable. Uh, uh, Germany in particular is ardently pro-Israeli, I think, out of a sense of guilt. Um, uh, even Europe is beginning to uh, use this word genocide uh, in normal conversation about what is happening. Um, I don't think uh, Americans understand the damage this is doing to our reputation. I mentioned uh, the issue of human rights. If you condone, if you are complicit in, if you supply the weapons for it, if you participate in the planning for genocide, you can forget having any credibility on any human rights issue. Uh, that's one thing. Democracy. Uh, we're, we're proud to be a democracy. We've tried to promote democracy. Since our inception, you know, we began as a shining city on the hill, in the words of uh, John Winthrop, with the eyes of the world on us, and we've been proud to be an example to the world. Uh, whether our democracy is now an example to the world or not is another question. Uh, but what Israel is doing is utterly incompatible with any sense of fairness, justice, or democracy, and we're supporting it. Uh, So we will pay a huge price for this, and it's not just the short-term price. Uh, Our authority internationally has already been questioned. Much of the world, the global majority, if you will, um, does not stand with us on Ukraine um, and uh, has made that quite clear. They don't accept the Russian argument that that the invasion of Ukraine was justified, um, but they do see uh, the United States as having helped to provoke it. Uh, So now uh, we have this issue on top of that. Uh, I think our our, our global influence is uh, taking a huge discount.
0: Well, you know, uh, on the Palestinian side, they would say we're not blonde, blue-eyed. You're helping Ukraine, but you're not standing up for us. And you never have. But, you know, it's been pretty alarming, surprising, the reaction on campus as we have all these young people, including young Jews who were involved in peace efforts, who simply repudiated all of the propaganda that they're being told, rebelling against all of these laws that say, you can't even say that. You can't have that conversation.
1: I think think in a way, uh, one of the most impressive results of this is exactly that, and particularly what I would call the heroism of younger Jews who who are trying to call out Israel on this this matter. I'm not sure that they're really pro-Palestinian, but I think they're ashamed to be associated with what Israel is doing. And and as Jews, uh, uh, if they object to Israeli behavior, they can expect uh, to be ostracized by other Jews in the United States that have a different opinion. one of the things that's come out as a result of this is the really um, uh, unfortunate, and more than that, uh, uh, nasty role of uh, organizations or, uh, in the United States intended to prevent or roll back anti-Semitism, which still exists, which is a reality, um, their role in suppressing freedom of speech. Uh, we have a First Amendment right to say what we believe, we have a First Amendment right to assemble and petition our government to change its policies. But if you do that, if you're Jewish, other Jews, choose on you. If you're not Jewish, you're, you're ostracized as well. Uh, so uh, this is showing us some ugly things about our current political realities in the United States. And I hope that the, what it's showing us will help us to get our act together. Uh, because it isn't together at the moment on a lot of issues.
0: Getting Iraq together brings us full circle here. <laughs> Mr. Ambassador, uh, you've worked with NATO, with uh, all kinds of, the. you work with the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, who could run Gaza? I mean, President Biden is telling Mr. Netanyahu, don't try to reimpose the occupation in Gaza. I was there and saw it firsthand. The Israelis did not enjoy that occupation. They were happy to get out. Uh, at the same time, who can? I mean, Mahmoud Abbas on the West Bank, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, has little or no credibility now. As some Palestinians say, he's turned uh, the you know it in peace into a business, profiting from it. Well, I
1: think whoever runs Gaza has to be whoever lives there, and if the Palestinians continue to live there then it's up to them to run the place.
0: But you have to have some kind and of stabilizing force. You can't just pull out Hamas, force out Hamas, no. arrest that's or kill their leaders, and then hope to have any kind of order in Gaza.
1: Well, I think it's worth remembering that in 2006, at the insistence of the George W. Bush administration, there were elections in Palestine, in all of Palestine, including Gaza. And Hamas won by a significant margin. Um, There was then an effort made to overthrow the control of Hamas in Gaza, and uh, that failed. Uh, But it did split Palestine between Gaza and the West Bank. Mr. Mahmoud Abbas, uh, who is regarded by many Palestinians as the capo, the trustee trustee in the prison, the subcontractor for the occupation, is now in the 18th or 19th year of his four-year term. He's never won. An, he's not won an election. Um, Hamas won the election. If you kill everybody in Hamas, somebody rather like Hamas, or maybe even worse, is going to succeed. But there's no way you can control Pal- uh, the Palestinians in Gaza if they remain there uh, with an occupation force, a military military force, uh, or uh, supplant their right to self-determination of their own government. And what that government will be is important. But we should be talking about a process to allow Palestinians in Gaza to form a government, a democratic process. We should not be talking about something that's not going to happen, namely the Arab neighbors of Israel cooperate with Israel in imposing some sort of rule in Gaza.
0: Well, they've pretty much made it clear they don't want to do that. I have heard uh, some pundits in Israel uh, at the left-leaning Oretz suggest, bring in NATO. Let NATO do it. You know a little bit about NATO, Mr. Ambassador. Well,
1: let me say something about NATO. Um, NATO is a defensive uh, alliance. It is intended to defend its members. It is not intended to project power beyond its members, although it ended up doing so as part of the failed pacification effort in Afghanistan. And it did so a la carte in Libya, with disastrous results which are still going on. There is no real government in Libya, and Libyans are suffering greatly from the anarchy that our intervention imposed. Uh, NATO, whatever, however the gullible people in NATO may be, and however much they may wish to follow American leadership, they're not gonna follow us into Gaza. Um, I should add that there's very few uh, people in the Arab world who have any use at all for Hamas. Uh, In fact, uh, they dislike Hamas intensely. Uh, They dislike it for several reasons, one of which is rather ironic, and that is Hamas is a democratic political party It also has armed forces. Um, But it is a branch of the Muslim Brotherhood which advocates Islamist democracy. The countries that oppose that, whether they are Egypt's uh, General Sisi, who is now president for life apparently uh, under a military regime, or or, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, which is now an autocracy under the the de facto leadership of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, or the UAE, which is also an autocracy a very adroitly maneuvering one, to be sure, Uh, none of these these, uh, regimes have any use at all for Islamism, which Hamas represents, or democracy, which Hamas also represents. Uh, And so uh, this has caused a a rift between uh, these countries and Turkey, which is an Islamist democracy. I mean, I'm not a fan of Mr. Erdogan. Uh, but he does win elections, and he does govern with a parliament, uh, and uh, it is a democracy, not a perfect one. So uh, I think there's more complicated issues here than many wish to imagine. Uh, there's a contradiction between our desire for democracy and our proposals for some kind of military occupation of Gaza. Uh, they don't they don't fit together. You know, you
0: bring up uh, all of these points, and I think one of the key factors maybe in Hamas's decision uh, to go forward with their their, their plan for October 7th was how they were seeing countries like Saudi Arabia being drawn in by the United States and others to normalize relations with Israel. And I don't know what your opinion is on that, but certainly... uh, Ben Salman is not, MBS is not the leader that I want to be friends with after the the butchering of uh, a journalist uh, in his own embassy. Uh, and I, I look at this and wonder, has all of this now been sidetracked? The idea was get around the whole Palestinian problem and just leapfrog it. Pretend like everything's normal and everything's good. Make some money.
1: Well, I, I was a bit skeptical that... Um broad normalization between Saudi Arabia and Israel was ever going to happen. Uh, I think the issue for Hamas uh, was uh, was a little different. That is to say, the whole purpose of the normalization from our point of view and Mr. Netanyahu's uh, was to set aside the Palestinian issue, forget it, you know, move on. Um, uh, And uh, I can understand why uh, Palestinian nationalists which Hamas are, uh, would find that uh, totally unacceptable and and why it might provoke them into action, uh, as as it apparently did. Um, I think the Saudis, uh, uh, I would say two things about the Saudis and Israel and what they were up to. First of all, the Saudis don't trust the United States anymore to protect them, uh, for many reasons. Uh, One of them you mentioned, my friend uh, Jamal Khashoggi's murder in the consulate in Istanbul by, by uh, a Saudi hit team, from obviously under the command of the Crown Prince. Um, this uh, 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 this uh, soured the remaining sweet spots in the U.S.-Saudi relationship. Um, and uh, the Saudis had seen the United States, you know, embrace uh, Mubarak, posting Mubarak and then gleefully applaud his overthrow Embrace uh, Mr. Murshi, who succeeded him, who was uh, the Muslim Brotherhood uh, leader, and then applaud his overthrow. Um, and uh, they don't believe we're 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 going to be prepared to protect them. Um, the final blow in this regard was when uh, the Houthis attacked the uh, uptake uh, facility in the eastern province of Saudi Arabia, the major oil transport center. And we did absolutely nothing. President Trump said, well, it's a Saudi problem. Saudi should take care of it. Now, where's the protective role? So I think the Saudis feel uh, a bit isolated. They want to hold on to whatever relationship with the United States they can. They're busily trying to diversify their relations internationally to include countries like China, India, Russia. And the, and the US, US doesn't
0: stuff. like that. I mean, the uh, US wants to prevent I mean, that. We don't like that.
1: We don't like that, and uh, so U.S.-Saudi relations are not in great shape. So what did they do? They made it clear that in their own self-interest, they'd be prepared to do transactional things with Israel. They invited the Ministry of Tourism from Israel to come to Saudi Arabia. Why? Because they want Israeli tourists to go to Neom and the new Red Sea resorts that they're building, having decided to become a tourist destination. But they weren't prepared to go in my view, beyond that. Think of what they demanded for a a normalization. First of all, the defense treaty with the United States. Do you think that could get through the US Senate? Under current circumstances, I don't think it has a chance in hell. Uh, Second, uh, they wanted a full nuclear fuel cycle, which would allow them to build a bomb if they wanted to, as Iran can. Um, (laughs) There's no way that was going to be approved either uh, by the Israelis or by us. And finally, they wanted a total halt in the settlements. This from the government under Netanyahu that's committed uh, to accelerating the settlements and, and which supports settler violence by deploying the IDF uh, to the West Bank uh, to protect settlers as they harass and even kill uh, Palestinian farmers. It, you know, let's remember October 7th, was was possible because Mr. Netanyahu had redeployed IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, who were on the Gaza border to the West Bank to support the settlement expansion. And that left the kibbutzim, which are military installations, uh, undermanned and subject to being overrun as they were by a mass as it came out over the wall. Uh, so uh, this is all connected. Uh, But uh, whatever anyone thought about Saudi-Israeli normalization is off the table. In our television, we don't see what the Saudis see. If you travel to the Gulf or anywhere in the Arab world, you see the horrors of the Israeli occupation and now the genocide in Gaza in bloody detail. There's no way that any government in the Arab world can now sustain a relationship with Israel against popular indignation, resentment, and revolt. Uh, If there were a normalization, uh, there there is a grave danger of domestic rebellion. So it isn't going to happen in the near term.
0: Let's come full circle, go back to the major issue, which is Gaza and what lies ahead. And I'm just wondering, how do you see this ending? What scenario do you see ahead? Maybe you have to go worst case, best case.
1: Well, I don't think we're... We're, um, I don't see any clear ending to it now. I don't think the world will tolerate the genocide, whether it's through expulsion, destruction of Palestinian culture and uh, nationalism, or whether it's by murder, mass mass murder, or massacres. Uh, so I don't see the Israeli uh, plan full unfolding as Israel would like. Uh, At some point, the world will lose patience. At some point, the administration will begin to put pressure on Israel, uh, probably by withholding some form of aid. Uh, Meantime, of course, it is not insignificant that uh, with the Congress in a state of total dysfunction uh, and political gridlock, uh, there is no aid to Ukraine but there's also no appropriation for additional funds for Israel. Uh, Why Israel needs additional funds when it has been the largest recipient of U.S. military assistance of any country in the world over over seven decades is another question, but um, apparently it does. So, uh, you know, there's no money. Uh, Congress is not asleep at the switch. It is contorted and paralyzed. Uh, And the administration doesn't seem to have a clear
0: answer to this. Ambassador Charles Freeman, I want to thank you very much for sharing some of your ideas, your expertise and experiences here in trying to understand this all the better. Again, thanks. And if you have enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe to Discern This, a podcast that hopes brings you a little bit of insight into global affairs. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jim Clancy.